Hooniverse. Hold on, I'm trying to open a beer. <laughs> Click, there it goes. Welcome to the Hooniverse podcast. I'm your host, Jeff, and I am not alone tonight. Uh, that laugh is courtesy of Kelly Blue Book's own Micah Musio. Micah, hello. Hey, it's so good to be on the Let's podcast. Oh, uh, it's, it's, it's not a video one tonight. But. It's, it's kind of weird, though, because my hand is a little bit moist from the beer, so it was a very moist <laughs> handshake. Moist, yes. Yeah. I have a question for you. Okay. When we were getting started, uh, we were talking a little bit about radio technique and proximity, yes. and you're on the mic, and it gives you a little bit of a base of your quality. Right, but, you, but I'm sitting back. Yeah, you're sitting back. Well, no, 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 that's not what I was going to mention. I was going to say that you were put off by my lip smack. I ate some delicious habanero uh, barbecue almonds, and I thought you were an ASMR guy. (laughs) I like it when the hot chicks do it. Oh, Um, (laughs) it's me? (laughs) Yeah. No, you know what's funny? No, uh, that might be an off-air story. No, 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 no. You and I were talking to someone here at the office the other day, Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh my God, this chick's voice is amazing. Yeah? Uh, Yes. Late in the afternoon before Uh, I left for the day. Okay. didn't come by to borrow that piece of equipment. Oh, yeah. She does have a good voice. Yeah. Uh, Unrelated to the Hooniverse podcast, uh, cheers. Thank you for finally coming Do I get to open this? Yes, please do. Okay. Here. here, here, Okay. uh, Get off on this, Jeff. Oh. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Here we go. It's a little bouncy because it was in my my truck it. Mm. So before we dive into what we're doing tonight, um, that is a crowler. This is called a crowler. Okay. A crowler is like a half growler. Uh, maybe a little less, but it's it's a good amount of beer. And uh, this is from Docent Brewing in San Juan Capistrano, which is a fantastic brewery with delicious beer. And I'm just, I sound like I'm plugging them. I wish <laughs> they paid for this. I bought this beer. Uh-huh. Uh, delicious brewery. They do a Wednesday night mountain bike ride that I'm going to do one of these days. Their food is tasty. They even have like good places for kids to play. Um, it's a great place to go in San Juan Cap. And uh, they... Um, this is Double Nickel, which is their pale ale, 5.5%, so nothing crazy, but mm-hmm. a nice hoppy flavor. And it's one of their staple beers. So, And I'm noticing, is this handwriting yes. on the wall, on the side here? Yes. They, so this is not sold in volume, then? No. So what they do is, so this, the cap of this, the top of the beer, mm-hmm. um, the, imagine that's not there, and it's a big gaping hole. They uh-huh. store a bunch of cans already half written. They know which ones their volume ones are, so they have yeah. a bunch of those already written on the side, stored in the fridge, so that when you order a crowler of this, because mm-hmm. normally I don't actually order crowlers yeah. unless you're drinking them like then. Uh-huh. Um, they have them ready to go. You fill them up, and they, they then there's a device that screws this whole top piece on and cinches it to the top of the can. Gotcha. All I know is that by size, I look smaller when I hold this. This yes. is like a novelty-sized can. Yes. You're like Muggsy Bogues drinking a beer right now. Well, I'm just going to drink a beer. I'm. You know what? I'm uh, Having not been on the podcast, I don't know how this works. Show me through the uh, magical world of Hooniverse podcasting. Um, normally, you would pour a crowler into a glass, mm-hmm. but we're not going to do that because we're just going to enjoy them. So... Uh, and good. and normally on these episodes, what I've been doing is I try to do when I'm in an episode with my my co-host and producer Chris Hayes or with guests, we like to have a bit of a structure, and that structure usually involves me writing up maybe four bullet points of the news. I did not do that today because I knew we would have enough to talk about yeah. that we didn't need to. And also, you and I don't give a shit about car news anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were through through the looking glass where car news is concerned. You've been doing this 
what, like 12 years? Yeah, I've been at Kelly Blue Book for 12 years now. And then um, I did some freelance work before that, um, you know, worked in radio, which is why I have such excellent mic technique. You may have noticed. I have. Those smooth, buttery tones don't yes. come by accident. He set these mics up, too, by the way. <laughs> he, I, he came over and he set these mics up and he's like, let me show you my equipment. And we were good to go. You know, you can take the nerd out of the AV club, but yeah, so here we are. So, uh, and I've been doing car stuff for, I'm a Hooniverse, this is, it'll be 10 years in September, and I started maybe a year before that with some bullshit work at some shitty company that I'm not going to name. So we can cuss on here, right? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, uh, fuck yeah. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, like James, <laughs> yes. Um, so you, before the car stuff, though, you were in radio. Yeah, do, do you want to get like the kind of the quick rundown yeah, of, of the the Mike Amusio experience? Yes, um, and this is well crafted too because also I, hold on yeah. if we have any listeners in Bakersfield, yeah, well. <laughs> right. That, that is true. If you live in Bakersfield. If you don't know me, you definitely know my dad. Right. My dad is Miles Musio, TV weatherman, and uh, so I come from a That's fantastic. I come from a weird family in that fantastic. my dad is a TV weatherman, um, and so we moved around a lot when I was a kid. But and um, your mom is a villain who changes the weather. The weather. <laughs> it's the perfect dichotomy. It doesn't make yeah. So no. Uh, so people always ask me. I get this a lot. Like, hey, oh, how do I get your job? Whatever. And the answer is there is no good path to winding up here because. My path was so dumb and circuitous mm -hmm. that you, I could not have planned it. So, um, so you're an educated man. I am not. I graduated from high school and I played in a band and I was a maintenance man at a tiny mountain resort. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, were there shenanigans and hijinks when you were a maintenance man there? Like that's a movie. That's an so, 80s movie. <laughs> I mean, there were uh, there were some hijinks, uh, but was there a rich guy competing to buy the mountain and you guys couldn't do your <laughs> cool parties anymore? You know what's funny is that the mountain I worked at, so I was I was a janitor first, and then I claw clawed my way up to maintenance man, which meant I got the keys, which was cool, and I'd go around and I'd like fix people's toilets and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, occasionally you know, snake a urinal or pull a dead squirrel out of a crawl space, that kind of As thing. As you do. You know, glamour. And <laughs> so while I was there, um, it was a really boring resort. And then I left, um, and I think maybe like five or six years later, a company called Woodward West came and bought the place and turned it into an extreme sports. Woodward, yeah, the, the extreme, yeah. Yeah, extreme sports, uh, like, is this like, edu it's Mount Washington, it, Portland. There, it's a, there's, so this is up in Tehachapi. It's near okay. Tehachapi. Oh, okay. And so they opened one out here. But so uh, <laughs> I was just a maintenance man at this shitty resort, and then it turned awesome after right. I left. It's oh, kind of amazing. Yeah. They've got like a, these half pipes and yeah, stuff. Yeah, Woodward's amazing. Like, growing up as a kid who snowboarded Woodward was always like a, an East Coast snowboarder Woodward was the dream for like like oh all those rich kids in California are going to Woodward for the summer and yeah. it was fucking mind bending so that's totally that they yeah like all the kids the kids who had money to go to space camp probably yes. also <laughs> also went to uh, Woodward Future. yes 100% that's some serious shit that you guys won't get uh, but we'll Maybe we'll tell you why later. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you, you did that, and then radio came next after after the band. How did the Also, how did the band do? Did you guys, like, record albums? Yeah, so uh, I played in a bunch of different bands um, when I was younger. Uh, I'm a bass player by trade, but uh, was dragged into the world of singing because uh, there was an opening. But, yeah, I played in this band, Schwag, for a good long while. Schwag. I know, I know. Uh, and we, we, like, we recorded ourselves and, like, did some kind of local releases. I think our pinnacle was we opened for Blink-182 on two different occasions. Um, you know, one with the old drummer and then one with... <laughs> 
with the, the new drummer. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of like the pinnacle of our success. And then it kind of petered out, and I realized that musicians are unreliable folk, yes. um, which is what led me to computer music, which continues to today. If you listen to Kelly Blue Book's, um, you know, the music in any Kelly Blue Book right. video, I wrote that music. That I, We were going to get into that later, but that part blows my mind, and it has blown my mind for years that you, if, if I'm going to, Repeat what Micah just said. If you watch a Kelly Blue Book video review, the music in it, he wrote. He wrote and created all of that music. And that is because it takes me so long just to choose the music I want in my video. That is know, the right? first part and the hardest part of editing a video for me yeah. is picking the song. Totally. Um, and it's just, I wonder if the process is different because you think you have the video, you're like, I'm gonna make this music and I have an idea of how I want it to sound where I'm searching for something that I don't know if it exists. So I, I'm curious, like, do you think you making the music makes that an easier process, even though you're making the effing music? What's weird is that now, I've been doing this so long that I know the elements that are required for a video. So when I write songs, I'll write songs with the expectation that it's gonna need some sort of um, uh, light intro that uh, can uh, you know lead to a hit that uh, denotes the intro from like when the action really begins. We're gonna need to like have some uh, variations on a theme. Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of working around a central uh, concept. Uh, we're going to need to take it down for a moment uh, to have like a light moment right. that uh, you know creates some um, you know, dynamics, mm -hmm. and then we're going to need to bring it on home at the end. And I mean, they're all the components that make a song work in a video. Right. And I've just been doing this so long that um, when I write music now, um, I've just got this vast library of music I've made and so there's something for every occasion right. in the music library and that's something that we leverage now and then oftentimes too we'll also if there's a specific project like we did this um, weird comparison with three four GTs like a super performance replica right. um, of like the 1969 car or whatever and then a 2005 GT and then like a 2018 mm -hmm. and so for that I took a song I uh, had already written and then I created all these sub mixes so like taking out elements and creating um, like drones or like um, uh, like uh, more like ambient beds okay um, so if you watch that GT video right it's fucking awesome because <laughs> the uh, the music has all these like dynamics and it really like um, it's got a lot of character to it but it's just because I had a lot of time to craft it and sure. take and sort of reconstruct something I'd already made and it works really well so for me that's like a, like a, a huge part of the reason why I like doing what I do sure is that music component so yeah I played in a band and uh, and, and then, then radio. Yeah, and I got into radio. Also, Schwag, I, I don't know what type of music you played, but and also you said you opened for Blink-182. I immediately think 90s, like, rap rock blend. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we never. We, uh, actually, like a crazy town. <laughs> you know what's funny? I was like, "That's so silly, Jeff." I'm like, "Wait a second the uh, the guitarist would occasionally rap." <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, I'm not knocking it. I still <laughs> listen to 311. Oh, so. good. Yeah, no, we were really more like poppy punk, but uh, the uh, the guitarist couldn't sing, so occasionally he would like to, you know, like bust a rhyme or two. A -poo, a -poo, a -poo, a -poo. <laughs> yeah, as one. Does. 311 was actually. Uh, my wedding song. What? But it was their cover of The Cure's love song. Oh. So it wasn't actually, it wasn't like, it was actually a good song <laughs> covered by a more modern band. I was going to say, if you just say that without like clarifying the song, you sound no, like a you, goober. Oh, yeah. But no, you have to yeah, clarify lo lo the song. Love song's nice. Lo love song, their cover of love song is great. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't have to. 
sugarcoat. It was a good, I know it's a good cover. And then we came into the, uh, our, um, when you make your entrance, mm-hmm. our entrance was to uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce's, um, fuck is it, Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, oh, what a baller wedding you had. Yeah, and then all the groomsmen and women came into the Departed theme song, because <laughs> everybody's <laughs> from Boston, <laughs> even though the wedding was in a, a winery in California. Um, oh, but I digress. Great. But music to to radio, radio, yeah. So the radio connection, was radio that killed the the studio star. I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to think that, of a lot. Yeah, no, that that works okay. Yeah, my dad, uh, the TV weatherman, also had worked in radio. So, like, you know, when you do something and you hate it, and you're like, I am never going to do this again. Right. Uh, when I was 16, and this is as uh, thinking about it, it's crazy, but my parents, my dad is a weatherman, and so he wanted to go storm chasing. Right. And so my mom and dad went storm chasing for a week, and my dad said, hey, Micah, do you want to do the weather on the radio while I'm gone to fill in for me? And I was like, that sounds insane. And so, but I did. I was like, like, no, I don't want to do that. And he's like, I will pay you. And I said, yes, I will do that. And so for this week, when I was like, I think 16 or 17 uh, before high school, uh, you know, um, I would like, I woke up and I like pulled information and I did live radio hits um, via telephone to fill in for my dad on uh, a radio station, KERN News Talk 1410, Bakersfield's hometown news and talk leader. <laughs> and after That's that right. week, it was crazy because I would show up to school late each day because I was doing the, new, the weather in the morning. It was crazy. And after that, that week, I was like, I am never going to do that again. Radio sucks. Cut to a few years later. Right. Um, I'm married. I'm working as a maintenance man. The band has kind of fallen apart. And uh, my wife asked my dad, like while they're out visiting um, from Connecticut where they lived at the time, like, hey, do you think radio is something that Micah could do? Because, you know, he's not really feeling this maintenance man thing. Right. And my dad's like, well, I can talk to him. And so my dad, uh, you know, unbeknownst to me, uh, on my wife's, you know, uh, provocation asked me like hey have you ever thought about radio i'm like i don't know that seems like it's really beyond me but he's like yeah call this guy maybe they'll have an opening so i worked as a uh, board operator at uh, the same radio station i was on when i was a teenager and uh, just started pushing buttons and uh, working a three-hour shift and uh, it was it kind of grew from there and so while i was at that radio station so you're pushing buttons while the host is doing their thing yeah and actually calling up songs and so it was like a talk sh- a talk station. So it was like um, oh, okay. like talk radio where uh, we would do like like the local syndication of like the Dr. Laura show, if oh, you remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like we've got the national feed and then we have to go to local commercials and then we have like news updates. And so basically just running the operation while um, other people talk. Do and you read the news update or somebody else? So eventually it? I got dragged into doing like traffic updates. Nice. And this is like back in the um, early 2000s when like traffic updates were like hard to come by. I I would have to call the CHP for updates. Oh, like, shit. hey, what's going on, guys? <laughs> and then you'd re- relay that stuff over the radio. <laughs> it was so rudimentary. Uh, Orange <laughs> County's jammed up, but the guy in L.A. told me to go fuck myself. And uh, <laughs> so that's the traffic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically, it was like so... There's elemental. a guy in the back going... Tuk, 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 tuk. <laughs> and we'll get into more about that noise later. Oh, mercy. <laughs> yes. But the uh, yeah, so that was uh, my radio backer. And then eventually, I, I um, there was a show on that station that did car stuff and they were mysteriously well connected with the world of cars like, like getting um, press cars and stuff. press cars crazy interviews like i think we had like bob lutz on and this is a, sh- wow. a radio sta- uh, show that was on like one station in bakersfield 
like two hours a week. And I was like, who are these people? And so I, uh, I was like, I have to like ingratiate myself. I loved cars. When okay. I was a maintenance man, I'd read like road and track and stuff and like goof off and not do my job. Sure. Um, you know, if my old bosses are listening, yes, I was screwing around. Yeah, I think doesn't matter anymore. Doesn't yeah. matter at this point. But yeah, so I always loved cars and they were really connected. So I was like, I need to you know, work with these people. So I did a lot of free work, just kind of like running live promotions when they were um, you know, out like doing live hits, you know, like at a mm. local car dealership right. or something. And then eventually I got hired by the company that was bankrolling their operation. Okay. And the way um, they operate, this is, this sounds... I feel like I, I don't know if I should talk about this, but but if uh, I've, I'm slightly into my uh, go what, is, what is this a prowler? What do we call go this? on? A gra- <laughs> oh my god! I wish it was called a prowler now. <laughs> it's good. Drink more of the prowler. <laughs> Ride the snake. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the radio show existed to legitimize these videos that they would make for car makers. Okay. And it's the most Rube, Rube Goldberg way of making videos where it's like, you know, you have to say you're the host of a radio show, but in order to do that, you, like I'm, I'm the host of a radio show, so you can trust the words that I'm saying. Got it. But in order to be able to say that, you have to have a radio show. Yeah. It was this, but it was just like weird. I mean, that's how uh, Gas Monkey Garage basically came to be. Mm, they okay. came to Discovery. I think it was Discovery, whatever network host them. Uh, they came to the network before they had a garage and said, Richard Rawlings is like, I'm basically, I'm this crazy dude and I want to do all this crazy cool shit with cars. Give me money to make a show. And then they made Gas Monkey Garage. Wow. Yeah. That's a real That's tail the story the I've been told, been told, at least. I'm going to say that for legal reasons. That's the story I've been told about how Gas Monkey, Gas, Richard Rawlings just wanted to be a famous guy, which, you know what? I don't knock that in today's society. I yeah. get it. Uh, and so he went out and made it, and he made it happen. He made, he made this show happen. What, what that tells me is that, and based on my experience, like reality is um, stranger than you can imagine. Yes. Um, and also uh, a mentor of mine who worked on that show also always said, there's no logic to business. And I never knew quite what he meant. Years later, I, I really know what totally he means. Totally get it. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So I, I started working with them and started working on videos. And then through those connections, um, eventually found my way here. Okay. And I've been here for a very very long time. Now, did you start off doing video here right out of the gate? Yeah, so they hired me because they Kelly Blue Book decided, uh, you know, way back in <laughs> like uh, the, the early age of the internet, apparently, that um, being on the internet was important and then eventually making video was important. Right. And so when they decided to start making videos, I happened to have been working on the radio show for the guy who was in charge of editorial here. He oh. had a radio show called America on the Road. Okay. And I'd been like producing it for several years. And then I had this weird combination of like video background, um, car knowledge. Uh, reliable production of, of his radio show. Right. I would co-host occasionally when his uh, okay. his co-host was gone, and so I was a just a known quantity when they needed to make video. And the thing is, it was funny too because when they hired me, it's like, well, um, you know, you, you're supposed to have a college education to work here. Oh, like, really? Yeah, yeah. Like that was one of the that requirements for the job thing back then. And he's, I was like, is this going to be a problem? And he's like, eh, don't worry about it. That's so, crazy. Yeah, really, really. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a, not an educated man, but um, I got hi- hired here, and here I've been for the last 12 years. It's funny, because you say that, and you have a better vocabulary than I do when speaking, and I don't use my degree, <laughs> so you have saved money in the long run, which is what I'm going to use as a segue right now. Yeah. 
to say how you've been able to afford a helicopter. <laughs> you, that is one of the most common questions I get. Like, uh, well, should we set that up just a little bit? Like, yeah, um, so go, please, please. So, I, I, it was a segue, but it was like a real shitty one, but also no, funny to me. <laughs> um, for those of you who do not know, Micah Musio is a helicopter pilot in addition to being a land pilot of mm-hmm. automobiles. Uh, Micah has a, and I'll, you can go into greater detail, but you yeah. have a 1978 Angstrom, which is a, a classic helicopter. You have a vintage helicopter, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so I'll just, you take it from here. Yeah, so so the uh, the helicopter thing, uh, I've always wanted to be a helicopter pilot. Well, what did you always want to do? What was the number one thing uh, when you were a kid? This has actually been killing me lately, especially because, you know what, so... <laughs> This is going to be a long answer. Uh, <laughs> lately, I've been addicted to the show uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mm-hmm. And in it, a wife who just thinks she's like just in the very first episode, she gets sidetracked be- or sidelined mentally because her husband divorces her and she finds out he's cheating on her. And she gets up there and she does stand up comedy and she's fucking great at it. Yeah. And she goes into stand up comedy. Stand up comedy, oddly, is something I've always wanted to try and never been uh, just. I have a bit on my phone. I have a note app on my phone where it's like stand up bits that I'll never do, (laughs) which is super sad. Like I text them to Zach Clapman to be like, what do you think of this? He's like, oh, this is good. I would change this because Zach has done it and and this and that. And we both love comedy. But the real wider answer is the thing I wish I tried or, or wanted to do was acting. Yeah. Um, and And you are weirdly good at it too. Well, thank you. It, it, it's funny. Yeah. So we sit here and I do accents to Josh and, 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 but, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think so to get back to a better answer for your question, what do you always wanted to do growing up? I was like, Oh fuck, I want to be, I want to fly F 14s and be in the Navy and be a Naval aviator. No, wait, I want to drive NASCAR stock cars. No, wait, I want to be an archeologist. No, wait, I want to do this. The answer is I just loved all those fucking movies. And Mm. I realized like, Oh shit, I should have been an actor. Gotcha. That that's such an interesting through line. Um, one, we got to get you on a stage somewhere. I feel like my my role in life is to peer pressure people. There's an into, improv around the corner. There is an improv. That might be a big stage though. Well, we can work something out, but <laughs> <laughs> give you a tight three. See yeah, what you do. That's right. But yeah, like so for me, I always knew I wanted to be a helicopter pilot. Crazy. I like I don't I can't remember a time where I didn't want to fly helicopters. I would imagine ha- flying helicopters as I walked home from school when I was like you know single digit age and I always I was obsessed with them when we lived in St. Louis we lived near a park that every year there was this thing called the Green Tree Festival where military helicopters and like um, news gathering helicopters would just land there was like a big carnival but there was just all these helicopters there and they would fly in over the house and it was like the best couple of days of my year and when we were in St. Louis, um, this was like in the late 80s, um, I remember I walked over to the Green Tree Festival, walked up to the um, the helicopter from my dad's TV station. I was just talking to the pilot, and then I was like, yeah, my dad's Miles Musio. And he's like, you want to go for a ride? Oh, shit. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. And so... And uh, he didn't ask for like your parents or anything? He's like, hop in. He, I, I said, I'm going to go get my mom. And so my mom and my brother and I all You're flew... smarter in, than the pilot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I flew, we flew in a, uh, like a jet ranger, and I was sitting up 
front. He uh, moved the pedals as far uh, towards me as he could. My feet still didn't reach, oh. but uh, he let me control the cyclic, which is you know kind of the important one. And that's the main one. That's the main one. That's the one between your knees. And because uh, the one down low is power, right? Yeah, kind of power and and, and uh, collective pitch. Okay. Uh, but uh, he let me fly that, which was uh, kind of a neat deal. I remember him. Ta- How old were you? Uh, that would have been. I would have been ten. Okay. So super like stamped. Oh my god. Oh my god. How do I do this again forever? Yes. Yeah. 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 Kind of the single greatest you know moment of my life until that point. So always wanted to fly, and then I was just never. I never had the money to yeah, do it. Yeah. So uh, in two thousand and eight, we had sold a house in Bakersfield right before the collapse, actually. And uh, my wife, being a very understanding woman. Um, knew that I always wanted to fly. It's just been like, I will do this. I was in the Civil Air Patrol when I was a teenager um, just to have some flying opportunities. Um, Is that fixed-wing stuff? Yeah, that's all fixed-wing stuff. But um, So when uh, we sold our house, um, we used some of those funds, and I got my pilot's license, and my wife was supportive of that. Uh, But the thing is, there's only so many things you can do in a rented helicopter. Yeah. Um, You know, like you can can fly around, you know, the L.A. Basin and uh, that kind of stuff but uh, and that's great but what's what's really cool is if you can take your helicopter you can go places yeah and so um, for for many many years I saved up um, to to buy a helicopter that was the dream I want to own a helicopter and be able to take it where I want to go right and so we just saved up for years and years and years and then we sold uh, bought we bought property when things were really low mm-hmm. um, you know right after the collapse right. and then uh, we bought a hipster loft down in Long, in Long Beach <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, and then eventually this is really dumb but um, I got a thing in the mail and it's like if you sell your house now you, you can get this much I'm like sold okay <laughs> yeah we're selling the That's house baby for me. yeah and so uh, we used um, a lot of those profits to um, you know buy uh, my in 1978 Enstrom 280C it's like a three-passenger helicopter on a three-seat bench. Mm-hmm. Um, pilot sits on the left seat, which is a little bit opposite of normal uh, helicopters. But um, Can you hop into a normal right seat and be fine? Yeah, totally. Okay. I learned in uh, Robinson R22s, and you sit on the right side. Okay. But um, yeah, bought the helicopter five years ago, and it's been uh, an education because there. the thing is... <laughs> I, I can talk to car people. I know car people. Right. Um, I know radio people. I don't know any helicopter people. And there's yeah. so much dumb stuff that you just don't know um, that you have to learn. Like, we even know, like, plane people. Yeah. Like we even know airplane people because there's a few people who have, like, 172s or 140s. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you're the only helicopter person I know. Yeah. I, like, <laughs> I don't know who to talk to to ask questions about, like, simple stuff like... How do I get trained in this particular kind of helicopter that I want to buy? Um, who does maintenance on these things? Where do you store it? How does that work? How do you get onto uh, an airport when it's a secure location? Like these are all really simple questions that I know the answer to now. But if you don't right. know them, it's a baffling ordeal. And so the last five years, uh, and then also simple stuff like, uh, so I bought my my helicopter. It was an old ag ship. It was um, flying like it was spraying, spraying? crops down in. Centro, and so were you like uh, you keep all that extra shit. I don't need the <laughs> fucking sprayers. Yeah, I'm good without the sprayers. Uh, the guy was uh, offloading his Enstroms and uh, moving on to Robinsons, and so so he had a fleet. Yeah, he had a fleet. It was cool. By the way, uh, so the coolest thing. Can I? Well, do you, Do you recall maybe the 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 
greatest moment of your life, like like the most like I can't believe this is finally happening. Yeah, kind of like I always think about like the tantric approach to existence, where you want something for so damn long that when it finally happens, it's so amazing. I haven't had it yet. Okay, so no for- offense to let me back that statement up real quick. Yeah, no offense to my wife and child, um, but I because you're referring to a different sort of feeling. Yeah, there's, so there's. I know what you're talking about, and I want to quantify that to people listening. Like, what about when you fucking got married or had your kid? Mm-hmm. He's talking about something different, and I get it. Definitely, yeah. I, so I was looking for helicopters. We'd saved up funds, and um, I, I found one on, on this uh, website, Barnstormers, 1978 it's instrument 280C. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And I saw the listing, and I thought. Man, that's in my range. It seems like almost too cheap, but uh, the thing looks great. It was the exact body style I wanted, and uh, I was like, "Baby, can we go to El Centro tomorrow?" And she's like, "Let's do it." And so oh, we, we hopped. So we actually we hopped in a car that night, drove and uh, stayed overnight, and then drove to El Centro. And um, uh, like uh, I hopped in, I, I met this guy. Uh, this guy John, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, you want to go out?" I'm like, "Okay, let's go out in the helicopter." And he did. <laughs> Like we hopped hopping in the helicopter, I was like, I might just buy this thing. Right. This is for me like the single greatest moment. Sure. Like, oh my gosh, this dream might actually yeah. happen. And so we flew out and I have um, seen the top of the mountain. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. And we're like skimming across the fields. And then he's, he's like, like, What are you are you okay? Are you fucking <gasps> coming? <right now?" laughs> oh god, I came so hard. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, This doesn't even have a jet engine <laughs> or turbo, whatever. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. He's he like, just does have a turbo, actually. Yeah, he does have a turbo, but uh, he was like, "Do you want you want to try an ag turn?" I'm like, "Cool." Have you ever seen an ag turn no, in a helicopter? That like a big... No, it's the thing where um, so the helicopter. If you want to change directions oh, sorry. quickly, by the way, for those listening, I just made a sound with my hand and like did like a <laughs> swoop, and he's like, "No, nope, no, I'm sorry, that is way off." <laughs> this one's uh, not on video tonight. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's the thing where the helicopter is flying, and then you go straight up. Oh shit! And then when you get to the top of of the climb. That you kind of kick the tail around and then you come right back down and then you um, pull out of it. And so we were doing those under power lines. And, Holy and, and shit. I was like, and this guy's he's flying. He's flying. This it's like, his baby and it's his field. This guy is an ag pilot. He's been doing this for decades. He knows right. his stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, we're doing like ag turns in this helicopter that I might just buy. This is amazing. So you know, can handle this stuff. Yeah. It was just like the coolest thing. He's like, you want to try it? You want to fly the thing? And I'm like, you know, like there at the stick, you know, like operating this thing. It was the greatest thing ever. And so, yeah, we wound up buying that and um, did a pre purchase inspection. And so you, 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 Say yes, I want to buy it, and then you leave. Yeah, and then you hire someone to come out and look at it. Correct. And then you, that gets the okay. Then you have to drive back and fly it home. The, we trailered it to the uh, the uh, mechanics spot so he could do work on it. There were okay. things that needed work, and that was the theme of the last five years. <laughs> so when you when you buy a modest price like project cars, yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, so you can pay it's for like when it. I bought my Benz. I You're, took it around the corner. I was like, fuck, I'm going to buy this, and I'm going to overpay. And uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, I still own it. <laughs> well, and, 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 and in similar fashion, you, you're going to pay one way or the other. Either you're yes. going to buy it, and it's in great condition, and it's going to be very expensive, or you're yeah. going to buy it cheap, and then you're going to spend a bunch of money getting it to that point. 100%. So to my, my thought, it's like, well, I can buy this thing cheap, and then it's almost like being on an installment plan, minus the interest. I'm going to pay for this thing over a long period of time. Right. Um, and so that's, that's what we've done, is uh, go through and sort of methodically fix all the things that were 
were neglected through years of, of uh, agricultural, ag work, yeah. agricultural work. That said, so in that time, um, we've had some crazy stuff happen. I had an engine fail, uh, almost. Like uh, we were doing some hover practice, and f- I felt the vibration changed. It was one of the, something has changed. I don't know what it is. It's real subtle, but something is different. Okay. And luckily, I was at Long Beach Airport just doing like patterns, and so I cautiously like flew back. Like hundred feet off the ground or something. Oh, uh, just like uh, yeah, like uh, you know, you're like um, just doing patterns. You're in a five hundred foot pattern when you're um, you know flying around the airport. You mix and then, into traffic, sort of thing. Uh, or, like there's these practice stay... pads, oh, okay. and so you can like hover, do hover work, and that kind of stuff. You're just hovering over a pad, or you're just flying pattern. Okay. Um, you know, at 500 feet or hovering. And it's uh, just pilots practicing. Just practicing, yeah. Real common at Long Beach, okay. you know, because you got a lot of pilots practicing there. And, uh, you know, <laughs> flew from the, I'm like, something has changed. I don't know what this is. Flew back to the, uh, um, where I tie it down and then uh, threw a main bearing. There was metal, big hunks of metal in the oil. Oh, shit. So I bought an engine from the same guy I bought the helicopter from and <laughs> popped the new one in, managed to get one cheap, which was a mur- miracle. Are they radial engines? No, no, they're horizontally opposed oh, four that's cylinders. that's right, that's right, that's right. That's what I, can I, can I tell you what I love yeah, about yeah, aviation? Yeah. No, go and for I know it. people probably wanted to hear about car shit today. No, no, but no, they're, they're, I guarantee, I, I'm, I'm speaking for my listeners I guarantee they're loving this shit. Okay, okay. So, so uh, it's a horizontally posed four cylinder, um, uh, 360 uh, cubic inches. So it's a 5.9 liter four cylinder. Damn. That's turbocharged. That makes 205 horsepower. Does it make a shitload of torque or no? Uh, it, you don't even know. Don't even know. It's 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 just humming along at 2,900 RPM. That's it's, just where it sits. It stays there. That's the other thing about helicopters. In case you don't know, the rotor spins at a consistent speed no matter what what speed you're flying. Really? Yes. It's just pitch? It's, you change pitch. It's like all pitch. It's all pitch. You want to go fast, you point the nose down. You point so the you, nose you're down. you're like fighting, dropping gravity. Fucking yeah. helicopter. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you, you may, have, may require more power because you're at a higher pitch angle, right. but the speed that the blades are turning is consistent. Because you don't want to exceed. What's the, what's the speed you told me about? Oh, retreating blade stall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like we're maybe getting too Keep, deep in the weeds. No, on no. The, Explain retreating blade stall. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you they're going to like this. Okay, thing. okay. so uh, the thing about retreating blade stall is there's a speed limit for a traditional helicopter. So if you imagine uh, looking down on top of a helicopter, um, the blades are spinning around, right? Uh, in my helicopter, it's counterclockwise. So if you're on the right side of the helicopter, the blade's going forward. And if you're on the left side of the helicopter, the blade's going backwards. Now imagine... Before you get to that, is yeah. it weird to drive... Uh, fly, drive. Is it weird to fly a helicopter where the blades spin the other way or you don't notice? Or you just have to change how you do the power stick. The the power stick, uh, a.k.a. the collective, is exactly the same. But the pedals are the the opposite. So, yeah, as you add power in my helicopter and in most American helicopters, you have to add left pedal to account for the added torque going to the main rotor. Um, And it's the exact opposite. When you, uh, like, take out power from the the main rotor, if you're, like, going down, then you have to add a bunch of right pedal. Descending. Descending. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Keep me on task. Uh, (laughs) uh, And then, like, in, um, like, your European helicopters, it's the exact opposite. Um, but mentally, you adjust quick. Uh, yeah, it was it was more natural than I expected. I flew like a Gimbal G3, which <laughs> is Gazunite. Excuse me. Yeah, which is like uh, like a French, I think it's a French helicopter. And um, it, it's the exact opposite. It, it came more naturally than I would have expected. That's good. So, um, But anyway, so yeah, retreating blade stall. So imagine as you're looking down on top of the helicopter, um, one blade on the right, the blade on the right side <laughs> is going forward. And then as it comes around to the 
the pilot side on the left side, it's going backwards from the direction of travel. The nose is going one direction. So basically, if you have a tip speed, let's just say it's going 300 miles per hour uh, uh, or something like that. Um, as you're going forward 100 miles an hour, the tip of the blade on the right side is doing 400 miles an hour, and the tip of the blade on the left side of the helicopter is doing 200 miles an hour. So there's this massive dissymmetry of lift. So um, the way the helicopters account for that is through blade flapping. So, and this is, this is crazy. So like as the, as the blade's coming around the right side of the helicopter, it starts to flap up to account for all the extra lift it's getting because there's all this extra wind going over it. And then as it comes around the other side, it flaps down. Um, and that accounts for the fact that it's suddenly going into like basically like a 200 mile an hour deficit. Um, and the thing is, beyond a certain speed, the blade that's retreating, coming past the left side, going the opposite direction of travel, isn't spinning fast enough to maintain lift, and then it stalls. And then um, the nose will pitch up, and then uh, the whole thing will roll to the left. Right, not, gro- not good. Not good. Not good. Uh, yeah. That is terrifying and delightful, and I love that you've been <laughs> talking so much, you haven't even been able to like drink your beer. I know, yeah, you talk for a little bit, I know, man. I know, I feel bad, I feel bad. Um, it's, that's, I, the helicopter stuff blows my mind, I'm glad we dove into that a little bit. We're gonna dive into some questions now, but then after these questions, um, we can talk about some of the car stuff. Cool. So let me pull up some of these questions, hold on. Um, By the way, Jeff, yes. I'm having a lot of fun here, Good. this is great. I, yeah, I like it too, oh. Wow, I just my wife just texted me this. This is crazy. Breaking podcast news, which my wife has never sent me. What? Lee Iacocca is dead. What? Wow, this is topical. Aren't you glad you didn't Holy study shit. beforehand? That's crazy. Uh, that my wife would even think to send me that. Well, thank you, Jen. Um, my because my wife's not a car person. Uh, I am stunned because I I could almost go into a tangent of let's let's get back to Lee Iacocca. Yeah, go for it. Because I'm too surprised and he's ha- I mean his influence on the car industry is insane. Um, okay, Patreon questions first because uh, they're more important than everybody else, which I always say. <laughs> um, and I've paused because I sa- I want to clarify something I said in the last episode is that I'm thinking about taking a break at episode 300. Um, while I figure out studio and travel stuff. Um, But I also, before I did that, I've paused Patreon collections, so no Patreon subscribers are getting charged for, like, June and July and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. At least for July. You might have got charged for June. Uh, But I'll double-check on that. Um, (laughs) Joel, new series of Top Gear is airing with new team. Have you watched it? And if so, thoughts? No. No, I don't. <laughs> it's weird because it popped up, and then I've heard nothing. It's just like Motor Trend is going to make a new Top Gear, and then I've I kind of expected the normal cattle call too. Like and he's talking about Top Gear UK. Oh, yeah, he's talking about Chris Harris. I'm sorry. And then the two new. So I have thoughts on this. Um, I really enjoy what Chris Harris does. I don't watch Top Gear because I just. One, I don't have cable, and two, I just that when you get home, you don't want to do more car shit. Um, yeah. Uh, so the um, but Chris Harris is phenomenal. I will watch his YouTube videos. I still love those. And then the one thing that really bugs me is that they had Rory Reed on last year or the last two years, and then they cut him loose. And then so I, I'm not. I don't want to force anybody into diversity hires. However. They had someone who was phenomenal as 
as a rare voice in the industry. And then they're like, no, let's just go back to three white guys. It's like, yeah. what the fuck? You had Rory, who was excellent. And then on top of that, you're like, let's just put, and I, I haven't seen the two guys that they could be great. Um, Chris, Chris is going to be good, but it's just a weird, baffling, stupid ass move. And so I, I, I'm sure I'll see it. I've heard good things based on UK audience reaction. Um, and I don't, I don't even think we've got it in the U.S. technically yet, but whatever. What well, was um, was there any logic behind um, letting Rory go? Uh, what, what did you hear? I didn't hear anything. He just got released, and I was like, oh my god, he had one of the best Top Gear segments I've seen in terms of the smaller segments. And I know you're not a big Top Gear guy. You know what? To add some context, I think Top Gear is sort of the gold standard for automotive content. Right. The problem is that I don't like to consume other automotive content. Yeah. Because I kind of like you know what I do to be an expression of me, not sort of influenced by other people, that yes, kind of thing. 100%. So, so it's more of a philosophical uh, you know approach to work than it is um, a commentary on what they do. I do like Top Gear, right? Okay, no, yeah, the stuff that I've seen, which is not very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so Rory did a piece about. Uh, I'll send you the piece because you can just watch this clip and it won't affect your work. Mm -hmm. Is uh, he did a like a day in the life in Japan car culture and it was fucking mm. fantastic. Fantastic. It was so good. Um, and it, it, I don't know. I was I was baffled when they let him go. So I haven't watched. No, neither of us have watched new Top Gear. And so we have no thoughts. Uh, another question from Joel, though. New Charger Hellcat widebody has been released. Thoughts? Will you be reviewing this in the future? Here's my thoughts. Fuck. Yes. Yes. Um, I brought my daughter home from the hospital in a Charger Hellcat. And I'm already pitching. I already pitched Chrysler to see if I could get the car by August. And they're like, no, because it just won't be ready then, at least for me. Uh, I'm sure like Johnny Lieberman will have it or something like that. But no, I, 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 I yes, yes, fuck yes, and uh, a thousand times yes. Um, yeah. And by the way, uh, so your daughter was born roughly the same period that my Very daughter close. was born. And I remember we brought her, our, our daughter home in like a Honda Odyssey. And I think you like like shot a thing <laughs> where you're like, you know, like uh, you mentioned that you were bringing your daughter home. And I was like, you handily one-upped me yeah. in the, the here's the oh, ride yeah. you bring home a child. It in. was planned, though. And Sloan came a month early. Mm -hmm. And I reached out. I think I told you the story. If I don't know Everybody I listening has heard the story, but I will, I'll tell it quickly to you. I was uh, a month ahead of time. I had an Uricon, and I was shooting it out by Elsinore, uh, like Ortega, Upper Divide area. Mm -hmm. And that morning, Jen didn't feel good. I'm like, do you want me to stay home? She's like, no, This I know the car has to go back soon. I'm like, it doesn't matter. You know, like, if you don't feel good, yeah. let me help. And she's like, no, 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 go shoot the car. I'm fine. I'm just going to go in the hospital and get checked up. And this is like eighth month or whatever so we go we shoot the car whole time i'm getting text messages oh, i don't feel good i don't feel good do you need me to stop no no keep going keep going uh another text message we're like 90 percent done i'm feeling better i'm just waiting on some final tests i should be out of here soon um and we're getting our like last long distance mountain road camera you know so far away shot yeah. and you can see the car stop pull over and then turn around i got a call not a text saying they're delivering, they're forcing induction. Get here now. Whoa. I'm an hour away. 
in an Uricon. Well, luckily you're in an Uricon. Yeah. Uh, so I drive, I get on the radio because thankfully we had, we like never have radios and we had radios this day. I'm like, meet me at the bottom of this one turnout. Uh, you know, I, I can't tell you, I don't know exactly where yeah, it is, yeah, but yeah. it's off Ortega and Upper Divide. Meet me here at the turnout. I need to get all the cameras off the car. I need to give you all the shit and I got to get the fuck out of here. And I told them that this might happen. So they're like, okay. And they were on it. And I gave them shit. I'm like, I'll see you guys later. And so I drove down Ortega, took the 73 to Hogue Hospital in Newport Beach, and I made it in 30 minutes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wait, I feel like I need to run the numbers on that to see what you were no, doing. No, <laughs> don't. People, people ask me, uh, how fast did you go? And my standard canned responses, I made it there. I went fast enough to get there to make it alive. Yeah. Uh, very fast is the Ooh. answer, though. And then so I valeted because it's Newport Beach. Keep it close. Ugh. Yeah. Um, and they picked the car up from the hospital, which was super rad of them. And she was born 15 minutes later, which sounds super dramatic, but they waited for me. But it makes the story sound It's crazy. a good story, though. But so I was supposed to get the Charger Hellcat a month later, and I... I Send a note to Scott Brown. I'm like, dude, she came early. Can we still do this story? And like, uh, like, I don't think I wasn't still thinking of my wife and child because it was actually a very dangerous childbirth. Um, she yeah. was preeclampsia, like oh. kidney. Like it was, it, she's fine. It all turned out fine. Sloan's fine. But I didn't realize how bad it was. Here's an example of how fucking stupid I am. I had like skinned an, an elbow or something like that. And we're in the hospital post recovery. Sloan's down in the NICU. And I go, yeah, I think I banged my elbow and I scratched it. And Sloan's like, oh yeah, it looks like it was bleeding. I go, it's bleeding. And like, and she just looked at me like I was the biggest <laughs> fucking idiot as we're in the hotel room or the, not the hotel room, the hospital room of her like in re post recovery for this crazy birth. And I was like, hmm. like, I don't think I reacted properly at the time too, but whatever. Oh, um, but, uh, FCA Chrysler set it up with the car, and I got to bring home, uh, her home in a Hellcat. Oh man, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. But it wouldn't cool. it have been better if the Hellcat was a wide body? It would have been so much better. So much better. Um, Kevin Schrage trying to buy an old MGB to build into a Lemons car. How do I politely tell someone their floorless, blown out rocker panel, rodent eaten interior hasn't been on the road in the century? Stop driving it because it had a knock car isn't worth the 2K they're asking. You're not going to convince that person. You just need to move on. Um, you have no chance there. Mm hmm. Uh, but good luck, uh, because also within the Hooniverse family of Lemons cars, there's an MGB coming. So stay tuned for that. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, stay tuned for that. It's not, uh, it's not the main car, but uh, so I co-own Hooniverse with Tim O'Dell, who manages our Ranchero. His dad bought an MGB GT that is uh, going to be a Lemons car. By the way, uh, before we move on from lemons, I'm just going to go on the record here because I believe a podcast is legally binding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you ever need a, uh, an extra driver for something lemons related, right. let me know. I have the fireproof underwear. I've got the winning <laughs> attitude. The winning attitude. <laughs> the, uh, you know what? They might need a driver in August be, or is it September? No, it's September because I just found out my wife booked a trip when I would have been racing at Buttonwillow. Oh, God. She asked me, could she book this trip? And I said, what weekend? She said, it's this weekend. I'm like, you know what? I haven't confirmed my Lemons trip, so go ahead. One of the hardest races... I'm trying to make myself sound like a nice guy here. No, I'm very no, no, no. annoyed. <laughs> no, but uh, when I was doing Spec Miata, one of the hardest races I ever had was at Buttonwillow. It was like 100-something degrees. Yes. Everybody... 
everybody was in a cool suit except, except me. It was kind of like when I showed up to the motorcycle track day and I was the only guy who rode my motorcycle to the track day. Oh, shit. I was like, oh, I'm not doing this right. That was one of those deals. So for me, Button Willow has a, a special kind of resonance. fun track in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, Dina Honda, thanks for the note. Marshall Cash, Mitsubishi is apparently planning on bringing back the Evo. Do you think this will go well or will it be another crossover? Rumor has it it already is a crossover, right? Yeah, that's what I was hearing, too. I feel like uh, you carry on and I'll pull up the uh, the phone here. Yeah, and so I, I, rumor has it that it's a crossover and Mitsubishi is just kind of in this weird space where they're like, let's try to throw a few models at the wall and see what sticks. And I think they make enough money overseas that they don't even care what the U.S. market is doing, to be totally honest. Like, I think they make their money in heavy equipment in Asia, and they're just like, you know what? Fuck cars in North America. We'll keep some of these people employed because it's it's a pet project. I don't even know. Well, and there's something, too. It is very expensive and complicated to shut down a dealer network. Like, that is one of the big complications. Like, just shutting down a brand is so laborious. Uh, Things have to be so dire to make that a viable choice. So it's like, if we're selling just enough to kind of keep things going, then that's the least path of least resistance. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Brian Co- Pocock asks, after global... You're going to like this question. Don't worry about the uh, uh, Evo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming it's a crossover. Yeah. After global warming has caused widespread societal collapse, do you see yourself as more as one of Immorton Elon's war boys or Lord Peter Thiel's blood bag? If the former, what kind of war rig do you drive? If the latter, what's your blood type? <laughs> That's a great, great uh. question. Um in that war, I hope I would be the third unmentioned tribe because I don't want to bow down to the Church of Elon, and I definitely don't want to be a boy blood bag. Um, so I would be more of the uh, what's the unnamed character? Because in he's Mad Max, but what's he has like a different name in the in mm. Fury Road, right? Mm. Right? Doesn't he have it's, a different name? It's escaping name? me, but because they call him Max, but like in the credits, he's like. Fuck, I thought he had a different uh, name. Um, but I would be like a Mad Max type for 15 minutes till I was filleted and served as open fucking food. Uh, I would, and then I'd watch Micah fly overhead in his <laughs> chopper. Yeah, that's, what, that's the thing missing from Fury Road is the guy in the little auto gyro. That was that's the best. The thing. That dude was insane. Uh, that dude looked so Australian. It was wonderful. <laughs> uh, what's, your, what's, your, wait, what's your blood type? I have no idea. I know. I'm 38 and I don't know my blood type. What? Yeah, I don't know my blood type. So, someone hasn't gone rallying. It's not then. like a good blood type, so it's oh. not like O or A minus, whatever the good ones are. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm an A negative if anybody cares. A minus is a good one, right? It's negative, and I don't know actually. Is a which one's like? What's one's the universal donor? O, o which positive? One's the accept- I think O positive is the O. Universal? Well, there's isn't there like no O positive negative? It's just O. God, I don't know. We sound so ignorant. Oh, oh, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> It's mad. Use Google. Rely on Google, not the Hooniverse podcast. I don't know my blood type, and I'm 38. Uh, Craig on McBride, does the Kelly... This is a Kelly Blue Book question. Oh, no. <laughs> wait, wait. Did you tease that I would be on here? Or is this Mike just Mike Amusio, a... yes, I did. Oh, crap. I haven't checked Insta- or the uh, t- uh, Twitter. Well, this is Patreon. Okay. Uh, does the Kelly... And you can feel free to answer these or not answer sure, these. Sure, sure. Uh, 
Does the Kelly Blue Book website take into account a person's location when listings value when listing values? Maybe more importantly, should it? The cost of a '97 Cherokee in California and the cost of the same car in Missouri are pretty varied. Love the site. Love you, Jeff. I'm looking forward to this episode. Thanks, Craig. On absolutely. So that's a great question, and I'm uh, it's because like I bought that question. Yeah, I know. Really, Th- that question is a, is a great one. Um, so when um, we're talking about Kelly Blue Book values, uh, regionality is a huge part of what the Kelly Blue Book valuation team takes into account when considering like what uh, good or excellent or whatever the value is for your car. Um, the thing is, I don't work on that team. Right. So I, I there's an, like, there's a whole wing of, of a building where it's filled with people that all they do is worry about the numbers. I am so glad not to be one of those people because right. that's not what I'm, I'm made for. But uh, yes, regionality is definitely a, a component when uh, figuring out what a KBB value is. There you go. Uh, we're jumping over to Twitter. Uh, Chaz Adams at underscore Chaz Adams asks, what modifications should I make to my O2 320 wagon? And Zach Clapman actually replied, none. Actually, Bluetooth audio and a Duramax. Uh, yeah, I don't have an, I mean, just drive it, man. That's the thing that'll last forever. I don't have a, a good uh, a good call on what mods for, don't, don't mod. Don't mod your 320 wagon. How, how do you feel about updating like um, the uh, entertainment options? I'm fine with that um, yeah. because so well, I, I mean I did it in my Benz. Um, it has that custom Clarion sound system that's hidden, um, and in an O2 320, that's not like the head unit is like oh that's valuable. Yeah. That's like the only reason I didn't touch the Becker in mine. Uh, yeah, update. I I love good music in a car. I yeah. have to have. I just ordered speakers for my Montero. Um, because it sounds like shit. The head unit's great. The speakers are garbage. Nothing better than driving the Montero, listening to, listening to Crazy Town. <laughs> <laughs> You're my butterfly, sugar. Baby. Uh, like, even in my F100, there was something actually pretty cool about before I upgraded the audio system, when I was just listening to the radio on the shitty speakers. Yeah. It was period correct. When I'm yeah. like, Led Zeppelin sounded nothing but pure treble, which you're missing <laughs> Bonham's bass end, but it was fucking, it was still like, oh, this, this kind of sounds right. <laughs> um, but then when I put the sound system, I'm like, oh, yes. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this question, but I'm not going to fully respond to it how people are thinking. Andrew Crayengin asked, possibly an appropriate POD pod question, but have you checked in on Blake since yesterday and is he okay? As far as I know, he's fine. For those of you who don't know, he was trying to get a job. He lost a job and then he kind of went on a bit of a Twitter rant. I'm not going to expand on it more than that because I'm just going to let, you know, Blake be Blake and losing a job sucks and it's stressful and it's a stressful Mm. time in this country. So I'm going to let that just be and I will check on Blake personally, uh, but I don't have an answer for you, but I have not checked on him. No. Uh, Lamar at Lamar underscore Augusti. Any ideas for a vanity plate on an Avalon? An Avalon? Yeah. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> let's see. Um, what about uh, D E D I N S D? Dead inside. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> that is fantastic. Just, sorry. Did I just make an enemy? <laughs> or like, not Alexis. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Lamar. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a nice super Camry. But this is a great, great timely question. Melissa at the Melissa. <laughs> What's your favorite Lee Iacocca car? Timely. Yeah. It was written six minutes ago, so she knows what she's asking. Yeah. Um, I, I lean between like Mustang stuff 
And then I love the fact that he is responsible for putting the ram, literally the the big um, hood ornament on the ram. Oh, yeah. And like bringing back the ram name. So I would go between the Mustang and the ram, and I'm sure I'm missing a ton in the middle because I'm a terrible automotive journalist. Yeah. You're no worse than me. Like, I wouldn't have known any of the stuff you just said. So. Right. Okay. That's fine. I'm pretty good with mid-90s Hondas, but <laughs> beyond that, I'm, I'm kind of I terrible. Hear you. No, I get it. Uh, it's Malay's. It's Malay's time. Ask what's the best personal luxury coupe for 1979? 450 SLC Mercedes Benz. Oh. I already had an answer prepared for that one. That's good. Yeah. Um, and then we let me just jump over to Facebook. All right, Russell Gorley. This is a this is a long question. <laughs> the shifter in my E36 gets burning hot driving around Vegas summers. Even if I keep it in the shade. Heat radiates up from the road along with the exhaust, and it is painful to shift. Besides looking like a tool and driving with gloves on or just not driving the car for a few months, what ideas do you have? Is it a metal shifter? And if so, swap it for a leather one. Yeah, right? right? I mean, you could get like a shifter sock. I mean, which might be literally a, a shifter, sock. That's a great idea, actually. Just throw a sock over it, and then you should be good. Or, you know what, uh, another baller move, uh, just uh, cut off a tennis ball. And then uh, pop that on. I am down with the tennis ball. The tennis ball would probably be. <laughs> there's kind of like a. That's a baller move, actually. Do, do the tennis like, ball. Like you might start a trend there. Yeah, go uh, for it. Russell Turnbull. When will lo- when will Toyota put the 2.0 turbo from the Lexus NX into the Corolla hatch? That's a, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. I've I, heard the new Cor- uh, Corolla is fantastic. I don't know which engine is in it because I don't care. The new Corolla <laughs> is fantastic. There's two different engines, but, um, you know, without my notes in front of me. And also, under the slight influence of this delicious uh, Dosen Brewing beer, um, I can't quite recall all the details. Sponsor us. Yes. <laughs> but I will say that that new Corolla is great. I mean, it's uh, like uh, the thing is, there's something about anchoring. The expectations you have for a vehicle are based on what you know about about it so far right and uh, so like i was driving uh, the new corolla recently i was uh, behind a corolla and in front of a corolla on an on-ramp and i became i, I became I, I do these videos for micah drives as well this is my own youtube channel and i realized that while i was doing that i'm like oh my god it's like i'm going to a corolla meeting or something <laughs> um and there it was a boring one in front of me boring one behind me by comparison the new corolla is kind of thrilling and you were in the hatch no, I was in the regular Corolla. And it's good? It's good. It's mm. really good. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not as thrilling as the hatch, but... I mean, you know what? It makes sense. I'm going to give Akio Toyota a shit ton of credit here. He came out and said, I want our cars to be sportier. And he said this like three years ago, four years ago. And it started with Lexus, mm-hmm. and it's filtered all the way down through Toyota, and they're doing it. And the thing is, they didn't need to. No. Corolla people right. would compete, keep buying Corollas year after year um, if they had Camry, just left it as same. boring exactly as it is but they're like Highlander there's a RAV4 adventure that's like vaguely interesting off road yeah but even like the the basic Lexus shit they're like it's all it's that TNGA underpinnings that have allowed them to do all this great shit and Mm -hmm. uh, yeah no they're they're, they're killing it Um, I just thought okay so let's we're at the tail end of the podcast here You've been doing this for 12 years. What are some of, what are some of your... And we both talk about how we're jaded. We talk about that all the time. What are <laughs> some of your memorable moments, though, behind the wheel of a car? One of the best times I ever had was... In fact, some of the best times I've ever had have been Audi R8. So uh, they did a mid-cycle update on the previous generation, and we drove from like Italy to, I think, Munich. And it was like... 
two or three days of just like hauling ass in in r8s like knowing that there are probably speed cameras capturing us and not caring because i figured audi would probably pick up the tab sure there was there was like um a two-hour period where um i was driving with um another auto journal my uh, uh nelson irison yep and we were uh, behind like johnny lieberman and somebody else and we were in these two convertible r8s um and we were driving like super fast into the like like the the mountains and it looked like you know those 90s video games Games where like you're driving on a mountain pass and then like an airplane goes over and then <laughs> yeah. you're over a bridge All pixel. and it's like yeah, yeah it, it felt like that where we're just like going like insanely fast there's mist there's like rain on the road and it mist is flying up from the the r8 in front of us we're going through tunnels and over bridges and like it was it's like the one time you don't have cameras going and you're like oh my god yeah and i didn't care because the, yeah. the experience was so etched in my psyche it was it was automotive nirvana. I don't know if I've ever experienced a more magical couple of hours behind the wheel. It was like I was with people I like in an amazing car, in an amazing environment. Right. And I, it's like we have these moments where it's like, why do I get to do this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, like nothing about my trajectory in life should have led to this, sure. and yet it did. Yeah. So, so, uh, so that was kind of amazing. Um, I think also... You know, when I was a janitor uh, at the <laughs> the dumb resort, there was this day where I was like in a like one of the rooms, and then I heard a rumble outside, and so I walked out to the balcony and I saw um, like five or six Dodge Vipers drive by. Oh shit! That was like uh, like an early like I guess that would have been like maybe ninety four. So um, and so these Vipers drive by and they were doing a press event. Oh shit! And and they came to the resort and that's they were staying at the resort I worked at, and it was the biggest thing to happen to me maybe that year right. because I was like, oh my God, these Vipers are here. And then one of the, um, I, I wish I could remember who it was, but some journalist gave me these press materials and they're like, hey, oh, here you go, check this out. And, and so I remember just pouring over all these Dodge Viper press materials in the in like like the janitor lounge or whatever. <laughs> you know, just like, we didn't have a janitor lounge, right. but just like, I was just like hanging out, reading all this stuff. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. But the thing is at that point, the notion of like- and you don't know who that- journalist was. I don't know who that journalist was and um, like the notion of like being one of those was so it was it was like saying oh yeah you're gonna live on Mars it was yeah. it was so unthinkable that um, it was just like a separate world so for me I did a uh, like a full line event when I was working for the uh, um, the radio show that I worked for they sent me to uh, do like a, um, a Dodge full line event and mm-hmm. it was the first time I ever drove a Viper um, and you know, it, for me, it was like kind of the uh, completion of yeah. this like unattainable, this this brief flash of the unattainable coming into my world, sure. and like knowing like I could never be there, and then holy shit, I'm there. I'm yeah. dr- like I remember like in a few years time. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, I think I mean, so that would have been '94, and then I was probably driving that Viper in like um, 2004. Or something like that, 2006. And I just remember sitting in that Viper, hand on the shifter, and like we're about to do like a uh, like an autocross. You're like, this car fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, the thing is, but like like for me, that was such a big deal. What's your car? What's your car that um, has such a strong emotional connection that it doesn't matter how shitty it is? 
Oh, I mean, everybody listening knows I'm going to say Aston Martin. Uh, I have this weird connection with Aston Martin where I love their products. And one of the greatest podcast episodes ever, you can all go fuck yourself. But apparently everybody loves the Scotland <laughs> episode where I recorded a very drunk podcast in a castle in Scotland oh, on an Aston Martin trip. Even the PR rep from Aston Martin enjoyed the episode, <laughs> which is fantastic. Uh, so I have a strong connection to Aston. I have a strong connection to that Uricon because of the you know kiddo. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I don't, I, there's nothing that's like, oh my God, looks like we've made it. Mm -hmm. Um, but that my Scotland trip was basically damn near the pinnacle of my experiences in this injury industry. That was way, way up there. I had a really good time at N24. I almost, I wish I spent more time in the woods, mm. uh, no 24 hour yeah. race. That was really good. Um, but the, um. Yeah, that I have not been to Asia yet, and it's been on my bucket list, so I'm, I need to get to Tokyo somehow. Um, you so need to go know. to Tokyo. You need to do stand-up comedy, do a little <laughs> bit of light acting. I, sh I should just go to Tokyo and just do American jokes, and they'll, and they'll just laugh, and they'll be like, think I'm funny. And yeah, They yeah. won't know what I'm saying. Like, oh, it's Jim from The Office. or so. I don't know <laughs> what they'll say. You know, now that you mention it, you do have kind of a Jim vibe. Uh, but. You know, it's, it's funny. I brought this up with, uh, so Micah and I are working on a project. I should probably talk about this. Uh, Ride.tech is a new tech-focused content platform for Kelly Blue Book and there's some written content but we're we're diving into the video content we have a daily news show called Ride News Now and our host is fantastic she is actually a professional in this industry <laughs> who is an actress who knows other actors and it's funny because I brought up the fact that uh, someone Back in his Chuck days, I was told I looked like Zach Levi. Now he's a fucking superhero. <laughs> uh, so we, but she even looked and she's she's like, oh Zach, we're friends. She's fucking friends with him, and I didn't realize that he's also the voice of Flynn Rider, who uh, my daughter, you know, loves Rapunzel. Um, yeah. So it's just it's funny how you do this circuitous path shit. Um, I don't even know where I was going with the story, but we are doing a <laughs> tech-focused news show that you should all be checking out. And it comes out every day on the Ride Tech News YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, and can I say, too, um, uh, I one of my great joys is is making that, that show. That's actually turned into be a really fun thing. It's been really fun. And mostly... We just had another funny one today. Day or tomorrow? Totally. There's it another is, funny B-roll bit tomorrow. It is super fun. Uh, I, I mentioned it earlier that you are weirdly good at acting, um, but we'll do this B-roll stuff for the show. It's like a three-minute like update on mobility and that kind of stuff. Electric cars and like electric right. scooters and you know autonomy, that kind of stuff. But the B-roll stuff that uh, you and Josh Ostrander do is so fucking good. We're having fun with it's it. It's so fun. <laughs> and for me, it's like this... It, like here's the it's thing. It's so like, much more fun than the car shit. When you drive a zillion different cars, right. you eventually wear out those receptors. Like I've driven all the fast stuff, I've driven all the nice stuff, and the thing is they're great. Um, but if you've done them, like there's something really neat to, uh, to about exploring like creative possibilities. Yes. And the stuff that you guys are doing and that like, you know, I, I have some hand in is so satisfying. You're in one of them. I am in one of them, but I mean just like that kind of stuff is so cool. So so uh, hat tip to you. Thank you should probably pursue. Yeah, I mean, it's 
it's probably a little late in life. It's too but, late. But you no, know, but you, every now and then you read that story like, oh, this actor got started at like fucking forty two. You're like, oh. And they always mention like Colonel Sanders. They're like Colonel Sanders was yeah. like you know like sixty eight years old yeah, when you started. And it's was. like that kind of thing. And it's like you you can be the Colonel Sanders yeah. of acting. But the thing is like. I can't be like, hey, sweetie, I'm going to go up to L.A. for an audition. Like, could you imagine me saying that to my wife with my four-year-old, nearly four-year-old kid? Like, no, yeah. I can't it's, do that. It's like saying, sweetie, I've decided to be a rock star. Yeah. Like, it's, hun- it's just absurd. A hundred percent Yeah, like you that. can't do that. That's the thing. I can't do that. Or can you? No. No, you can't. <laughs> no, I can't. Uh Micah, tell everybody where they can find you online and and, and pimp your YouTube channel. Uh, you, I've decided to um, uh, stop uh, Twitter because I just don't have time to think about it. But you can find me at, at all of the social media pl- places at at Mike Amusio, M I C A H M U Z I O. But uh, it's the same thing on YouTube. If you do like, if you search for Micah Drives, I do. I've decided to do like more reviews with my family. Like I really oh, think nice. that's an interesting space to yeah. be in. Just like having my wife and my yeah. kid, and just driving cars and that kind of stuff. And then of course I'm, I'm with Kelly Blue Book, so uh, you know I do a bunch of Kelly Blue Book stuff too. Right, so. right, right. Just just uh, uh, Google Micah, and then uh, I'm probably the. Oh, you know what will happen too if you really if you Google Micah um, Musio. The autofill will say shirtless. What? <laughs> this is one of those like um, tests for what people are like searching for you. Apparently, um, there's enough of my audience that wants to see me shirtless. What? That that's that's are you what serious? I'm dead serious. That so, so, so if you put amazing. So if you put Jeff Glucker into into Google, you should see what autofill is after that. I think it comes that. up fired. <laughs> I'm not fucking joking. Oh, seriously? Uh, no, it did for a long time. Uh, I don't know if it still does. And I can't check on my phone because it's tainted by my own personal search. I'll check it out when we're done here. Um, that's shirtless. That's amazing. Um, that's fucking hilarious. Uh, you all know my social meteors by now. This is 296. 300 is still likely going to be at Four Suns. I'll send out some info soon. It's going to be a casual affair. Is it fired? Instagram, Hooniverse. Oh, okay. That's basic. Hooniverse, though, that's good. Um, so, uh, I will see you soon and I will have a solution to either pausing this podcast or seeing what we can do going forward in the future. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening and uh, I'll see you guys later. Bye.